Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 132 of the Lift Free and Die Hard podcast. I used to call it something different back the last time my friend Eric Bach was a guest. It's been a while. Um, but in the meantime, of course, I'm your host, Andrew Coates. But I am excited to get Eric back. Eric is one of those people we chip away, try to like coordinate something. But now that I have way more efficient with my systems, I have a booking link. He's here. Recently just launched his own podcast. And if you're not super familiar with Eric, well, I think one of the things that has stood out for a long time is that you're what I would term a legacy teen nation writer, which is something that I and, I, and I, and that's a phrase that I use to describe people like your Tony Gentle cores and whether it's your Brett Contreras's, your Ben Brunos, there's a long list of these people, Lee Boyce, who've done it over a sustained period of time versus the people who've just dropped in and done one here and there. And I think it's still really cool. But I mean, not everybody's Christian Thibodeau, who's been a flagship of the brand for like what? Yeah, no doubt. But I actually wanted to ask you, because I'm going right into this. uh, How much power does this have to be like a legacy part of a publication like T-Nation? Or let's say any publication, how much power does it have to build a brand around? Because if I'm not mistaken, that really probably was the foundation of your brand, very much the same way it was for mine when I started writing for them. Yeah, no doubt, right? So- Probably similar to you, I was reading T Nation. That's how I got uh, really familiarized with many big names in the industry. A great education source for me and, and for my my own coaching and my own training. And as a result of kind of building that network, you know, and getting in there, it became a huge launching pad, right? Because we go from a place of trying to stand out, particularly 10 years ago when it was, you know, essentially blogging was the key way to really generate. Um, generate leads, generate, you know, all these different aspects within a business. And you get onto a big launching point like T Nation, where, you know, some of your articles over time are going to get, you know, well over a million views. It exposes you to a lot, a lot of people, um, sometimes criticism and feedback to make you improve, which is great. That's one thing I absolutely love about that platform. Um, And it forces you to elevate your game, right? Like when you put your name out on a big platform and you have a lot of exposure, it's a little bit scary. It really is a little bit scary, but that fear also helps you elevate your game and make sure that you are dialed in. And it becomes a launching point because when you are all of a sudden integrated with a business that has, you know, such a big base and so many excellent, excellent coaches out there who have been absolute game changers in the fitness industry and strength and conditioning world for years, it automatically opens a few doors for you as well to collaborate with these other individuals for us to be able to have a conversation and to reflect back on kicking back some bourbon in Kansas city, something like eight years ago. Yeah, it was. So it was 2017 when we, when we met and in, and it was actually two years before I was published just, yeah, two years before I was published on T nation. So at that point, I really just, just before even starting the original form of this podcast. So I was just, a, you know, the other role would be just the coach who like works with the clients in front of you. And I still do that stuff, but there were, there were no, flags of like a greater brand that have built over time. There was certainly no public speaking. So, but I remember that. And, and I also do remember people who, you know, made effort and were, were nice. I mean, imagine that, like being fucking nice to someone and you remember the people who were like this very, very early on. And then later on, when I have the ability to, Hey, let's get someone on my podcast again, or whatever other sort of thing I can help support someone with, it becomes very easy to support that person. Now, is you know getting on a publication like T Nation enough? And my guess, my my guess is no. So, what else was important for you to build around this brand flag of being a regular contributor at T Nation? 
Yeah, I mean, let's just go back to the original process, right? So my original process, and people can actually take this and they can apply to it to any medium, whether it's T Nation, whether it's YouTube, whether it's, you know, blowing up Instagram. And, you know, so writing was always my preferred way to communicate. It was a way that I also, taking notes is a way that I learned. So much of my education came around reading things, taking notes, synthesizing that information in a way that made sense. So then being able to see, do and, and communicate what I was seeing directly with my clients in the gym became the fodder for all the information I was putting out on T Nation. And so essentially, you know, what this led to was, hmm, who's writing for T Nation? Okay, so who has these websites? Tony Gentlecore as an example. Okay, great. So who's having a guest post with Tony Gentlecore? Okay, so can I build that relationship with whoever's having a guest post with Tony Gentlecore? Then I can reach out and say, hey, Tony, guess what? I've got this uh, brand new article called Cutting to the Chase Around Creatine. I would love to, you know, write this for you and, and take blogging off of your hand for the day. Would you be open to a guest post? Great. Pretty soon. Now I've done a guest post for whoever was, you know, running for Tony. And then I've got a guest post for Tony, knowing that whoever is running T Nation, Chris Schubert, is probably going to see whatever's on Tony's website. And voila, pretty soon. Hey, Tony, would you be willing to make an introduction? I saw that this posted very well for you. And then that's really how it goes. So it's kind of a stair-step model, right? It's like, if you want to be able to network, if you want to be able to build relationships, you don't always go for the top right away. Instead, what you can do is gradually, step-by-step, step, kind of build a network of who's also contributing here, who's also a piece of it. And by building those relationships, that's how you can really get integrated into mainstream you know, mainstream publications or, or big brands that can help you grow your brand by extension. Yeah, if you show up and you support people in the industry because I've had similar experiences along the way. And, and I've always tried to approach this from a, how can I make this interaction valuable to the other person? A really good example I like to use is, you know, I, I went to uh, the second event that I went to in 2017 was Luca Hosevar's fitness and uh, vigor ground fitness and business summit. And that's the first time I met Luca. I, I liked his media. He was newer to me at the time. And so you know, I had him on my podcast, which I think is a very powerful vehicle to host people on your podcast and got to know him a little bit. I went back to his event in 2019. I supported again. I met a ton of people. These, these events changed my life. And so again, I've supported and helped. Actually, I apologize. I didn't go in 2019 because I couldn't. We had our own event, but a lot had developed in that time. You've been on my podcast a few times. I went in 2021. Okay. So that was a big experience. I met Don Saladino and a lot of other people. And I've continued to, to support Luca along the way. And then comes a juncture where I realize, well, he's never written for T Nation. He's written for a bunch of stuff, massively successful brand. And I like pulling people into collaborations on T Nation. And especially if someone is relatively high profile, who has the chops. I brought in people like Tim DeFrancesco, who's got a big brand. He yep. is the strength and conditioning coach of the LA Lakers, worked with Kobe. I was just on Natalia Mello Wilson's podcast as a good friend of mine. I brought her in for a piece. I brought in Ben Mudge, who's got a massive brand out of Belfast, Northern Ireland. And so I had a piece and Luca and I were doing something very similar on our social media about a particular exercise. And Tony Gentlecore at the time with a horn ACL was like doing it with his good leg. It was just basically a Hatfield supported Bulgarian split squat. And I'd already had one yeah. piece on this. So I thought, all right, let's do something together. I'll pull him in. Um, he liked the idea. I was trying to do it so that way he wouldn't have to do much work, but you give Lucas something, he'll just write and write and write and create and, and over, yeah, like, no over deliver. He's like that. Anyway, so get some published. All of a sudden now he can say he's a contributor. He went and did a few more pieces, you know, again, just to, to do more. And you give someone who's, what, what do you give the person who has everything, right? Something that is uniquely valuable. So if you're, exactly. if you're finding ways 
to just do really cool shit for other people, then you'd be surprised people turn around and they want to support and share you. And I try not to think of it in terms of pure pragmatism. I try to come from a place of abundance, pure abundance. But guess what? You, you're rewarded in the end. You really are, you know, and especially today in the culture of the fitness industry in a way that people are trying to build brands and trying to stand out as it gets increasingly competitive and methods come in and change every five seconds, right? There's such a tendency for people to look for the, the newest hack, the latest method to get ahead of the game, to build a business, whatever the case, right? And ultimately, really what it comes down to, the most successful thing is to be a giver, to build a network, to help other people and to really build relationships with everybody else. Because ultimately, listen, methods are gonna change, but relationships can be forever. And it takes one relationship, it takes one introduction to really be able to change the trajectory of your life and of your career. And so many times when I have somebody asking like, hey, you know, what can I do to get established? How can I really get going in the fitness industry? Or how can I you know, work for X, Y, and Z? Well, much of it comes down to, can you focus on providing value to that person first? Can you, even be active on our social media channels. Can you reach out and provide some some feedback and, and some some benefit in that regard? And that's the greatest way to start building those relationships. And you might not always get an answer. You might not always get something right away, but you notice. You notice when people are consistently reaching out, who are commenting, who are supporting you, and you know working to try to build that relationship. And over time, those become the ultimate growth hack, the ultimate success secret to really standing out into building that established brand. And when it comes to something like T-Nation by extension, right? Well, once you say, hey, I've written for T-Nation, if you want to reach out to men's health or whatever other publication, women's health, whatever it is, that door is a lot more open than it is than if you're coming in cold, right? And so all it really takes is to think about hmm, what's an audience that I like that really would resonate with the message that I have that maybe has the type of people that I would like to be able to work with and just focus on building towards that one area. And then it begins to open the doors into many different areas. And you talk about legacy coaches and, and some of the le legacy writers, right? So an example would be Brett Contreras, right? So Brett Contreras started talking about glute training way back, probably 2013, 2014 during this time frame, And it was all built towards hardcore lifters. Is hardcore lifters, the male dominant, testosterone nation audience, his primary audience at this point? No. I mean, do they still like what he does because he's an expert on biomechanics and glute training? Of course. But because he got established in that realm on top of his education and, and chops as a coach, it just expands so many different networks. But that comes from those relationships and building that establishment with other, you know, with other authorities and brands and sites. I'm going to come back to that because then it, it go it'll pivot into the next part of how, as it relates to you, but we'll come back to Brett and how he pivoted. But I think there are a couple other really critical things to look at that complement what we've been talking about. One is if your goal is to write or do, use any media platform, you also have to invest in learning the skill, which means studying writing. And I think this is a mistake that a lot of coaches make is they think, well, I know a bunch of stuff, then I can write this down on a piece of paper or whatever doesn't work that way. You actually have to study writing because if editors are going to work with you, one of the reasons why my editors like working with me is because they know that the quality of the writing is going to be strong. The way that I express me like messages is strong. And you look at people, legacy people like John Romanello, Tony Gentilcore, who are really well known as being premier writers, right? The door is open. Yeah. From so that's point one. Point two is... In the effort to build a career, 
and as you said, you're not trying to go for the top. The people to build the relationships with are actually the people on the same journey that you're on. I remember that room that you and I sat in at 2017, and no one knew who I was before that weekend. And the other people in that room were Robbie Farlow and Carter Good. Now, Carter was just in the process of exploding online with a, with a really rapidly growing Instagram following. Now, Carter's very established. I know you guys are still pals. You're part of the same sort of like smaller network. And then yeah. Robbie, again, Robbie is someone who's been doing this a while and he's got a lot of respect and and he's well known in the industry. And there were a lot of people at that event that I met that I became friends with. And sure, I met the speakers, great, but I met a lot of the people who are kind of on the same journey. And a lot of those people hate normal down to earth everyday people. They've gone on to do really cool stuff. They've actually been some of the key linchpins. My public speaking career is entirely launched by my friend, Tim Ernst, who was at that event, who happened to host his own, which I went to support in 2018, went to support in 2019, 2021 comes in, speaker drops out. He's like, Hey, I really want you to fill in. I'm like, well, you know, why don't you ask Lee Boise? He's like, no, no, I want you. So I'm like, okay, cool. Love that. And then, so I, again, just trying to like, Hey, you've got a proven person here that I, I support. Lee's a very close friend of mine, but Tim's like, no, I want you. So I did it. I prepared the hell out of it read some books on public speaking and it went really well. And that led to more invitations and that turned into eight speaking events last year, 10 this year on the books. It's unbelievable. Like I couldn't, it's have, amazing. couldn't have imagined. So don't discount the people on the same journey as you uh, and treat them well. Okay. So now back to Brett and pivoting. So as you alluded to what happened with Brett leaned into other forms of media and his brand exploded, especially with female lifters because they're more interested in glute training. Right. So you, before we got on air, mentioned how you just recently started a podcast, you're doubling it to YouTube. And so what's the thought process and the long game in that essentially a pivot in brand media delivery? Yeah, that's a great question. So brand media delivery, right? Again, you know, when it comes to really providing value, the way to really help people understand the quality of what you can do as a coach, as a professional isn't always just short form, right? We, we all know that short form content is the rage. It's, it's what goes viral, so on and so forth, whatever different platforms. However, if you truly want to be able to help people, if you can go in depth and help them understand the why and communicate in a clear cut, concise way where they understand the methods behind what they're doing and frankly, can start to parse through all the bullshit, all the gimmicks that are out there and truly understand the underlying mechanics of building the body that they want, that is how people begin to know, like, and trust you as an authority. In the same realm, when people hear your voice, when you can have communication, when they can tell our inflections or we joke about, you know, kicking back whiskey in, in Kansas City and how it became all these different relationships that came through. Well, people can start to understand who you are as a person as well. And ultimately, just like when you're working with a client in the gym, people want to do business with those who they know, like, and trust. So in the case of shifting to a different media, well, listen, do people still read? Of course they do. Of course they do. However, a lot of people are spending more time on the go. They're listening to podcasts. You might be listening to this in the gym or on the commute to go pick up your kid or, or whatever it is. Or you could be watching a YouTube video you know, in the evening instead of watching a sitcom. These are all different ways that we consume media. So when it becomes, when things shift in an industry and the way that people consume things begins to shift, you don't need to completely reinvent the wheel of everything that you're doing, especially if you have key principles. You have key underlying components that are part of your brand. They're part of the way that you coach, the way that you help people. And if you can communicate those simply in a different medium, 
one, that's going to build an incredible skill set for you, being able to speak better, to be better on camera. And it's also going to help people connect in a different way. Think of it this way, right? If you would look on like the analytics of a social media account, you know, you would have some people who only look at like your feed posts on social media. Some people will only look at stories. Some people won't touch a reel. Some people will only touch a carousel. Well, if you only do one type of media, I'm not saying don't double down on what works, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of people who are missing that same message simply because it's not positioned in a different way that they like to consume it. So if you can position the same content in multiple different ways that hit different consumers at different levels, you can establish it a lot more with different people. And in some cases, you can provide a lot more context to it because somebody might skim something and be like, hey, these 10 tips on how to lose body fat are incredible. But if you go in depth on a podcast and have a thorough discussion and you're going through each each piece for five, six minutes, they're going to be able to see the different layers of it and how it can truly apply to them. So being able to branch out into different media, one, if you can flow with some of the different trends that happen throughout the industry, that's great. But in addition, it allows you to communicate in a different way to reach a greater audience while sticking true to your core message. And I think both of those components are absolutely crucial for longevity in the fitness industry. What do you say to the coach who feels pressure to do all the things where, as you said, you built quite the career to where you have a team, you, you know, you have those kind of resources, yeah. right? And a lot of coaches, I mean, shit, I still coach very fully, full uh, time in person. I love it. And I, I have more bandwidth to do a lot of stuff than everybody, but there are limits to mine. And and to your example, yeah. I am weak on the video end of things because I find that I'm more efficient on social media with short form writing, which I'm able to use and reuse. I enjoy the podcast side of stuff. And it's a trade-off that I understand. It's also something where I know that in a perfect world, I could be on more social media platforms, but there are probably limits to what I can do. So how do you help the coach who feels limited choose what's appropriate to them and maybe even a greater conversation to how you were able to build to where you could, you have the resources to have the team that can expand your bandwidth. Yeah. That's an incredible question, right? Because there's so many different options and everything seems like a bright shiny object that could be the next thing to launch your business into the stratosphere. So the way that I like to think about this is similar to exercise, right? If you have somebody who would love to train six days a week, but they simply can't do it with their schedule. They have no business doing a program that's going to take them six days a week, right? You'd be much better off with a total body training split that has them three days a week, or at least it doesn't have all these gaps within it, right? Similar, we have to think, what is your bandwidth to create content, to put content out? If we start with something that's impractical based on your schedule, based on your structure, you're setting yourself up with an expectation that is likely to lead in failure. And when that happens time and time again, especially for, for coaches, most coaches who are educated who really have good foundational roots with what is needed to change people's bodies and lives. Many people have an apprehension to put things out on social media because they don't want to be wrong. They don't want to be criticized. They don't want to be a disappointment to their peers. Like that's a huge block for many people, right? And so what you want to do is you want to start small. And so an example like this would be simple. When it comes to everything that's ever filmed is for the most part coming from a script, right? So think of it this way. Let's say you have 10 tips to get visible abs. It could start something as small as a checklist to be like, hey, here are 10 things to get visible abs. Cool. Now you want to flesh that out a little bit more, add a little bit of detail. Perfect. Pretty soon, that little checklist that could be a carousel post on something like Instagram, that could be the outline for a podcast. That same podcast, like what we're doing right here on video, could easily be recorded 
And then boom, you have one piece right here that's basically an outline being used on a social media post is being recorded and used. And so we have a podcast, we have a social media post, we have a YouTube video. And if you want to go into detail, tie in more research to those components, now you have an article that you could put on a major publication, right? And so essentially what I've done you know, with a lot of my stuff is what are the big key components of my business and my brand? What are the things that resonate most with the people who, who I like to work with the most and who get the most value? And so in many cases, even some of my podcasts right now would be, hey, here's a great article that I wrote. Here's some adjustments that I would make. Now, because I have this piece, I can break it up and I can use it in all these different areas. And I really actually learned this skill from uh, Vanessa Van Edwards. I'm, I'm trying to put my finger on her book right now. Captivate is one. Captivate is one. And, and she runs the science of people. And cues. And cues. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Incredible book. Yeah. And so actually, um, this is probably 2018 as well. 2019, I was at a live event in Colorado and sat next to her. And we were chatting and uh, she actually broke it down. This is before her book launch. Broke down what her content strategy was. So it's like, oh, yeah. So we do this and we break every piece into this or into, you know, post, YouTube, yada, 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 every different platform. And so the basic premise is... If you're going to create something, think of how many different ways you can use it. So you're creating once and distributing more. A lot of coaches get in the habit of just want to create more thing, a new thing, a new thing, but never break down, repurpose it, or try to really use every piece of the pig. And so if your bandwidth is short, we got to think of like, what are the key principles that I stand for? What are the key things that are most important? Can I start off with something simple like an outline? Can I flesh it out? And then how many different ways can I position the same piece of content? Because as you get better as a brand of communicating the same core values, that's how people remember you. That's how it becomes sticky, right? Like imagine if Nike said, just do it one time and then never said it again. Fucking crazy, right? No, they say it every single time on every commercial and every brand and every single thing. And so in a similar light, what we want to be able to do as a coach is when we're solving a particular problem for a particular audience, Find out what these key problems are and continue hammering those. Become the expert at what they are, and then you can position it in many different ways. You have to determine what your own bandwidth is going to be, but we have the mindset of, can I use every single piece of this one piece and get really good at it instead of spreading yourself so thin by trying to create something brand new? That's when you get a lot more clarity for what you can do. And then the second part of your question was, how do we, or how did we get to that point? Correct? Yep. Okay. So the second component would be, oh, gradually. Right. Everything that for me began with writing, um, writing, writing, writing it was reps every single day, you know, kind of circling back to what you said before, you have to build that skill of writing. Um, this is probably back in 2014 when I was really getting started with Bach performance and I had hired John Goodman, the personal trainer development center as a mentor. And I'm like, Hey, John, I really want to get into more publications, T nation, all these different areas. And he's like, well, if you want a lot of your career to be based around writing, guess what you have to do? It's like, you have to treat writing like a career. And so that's what I did. So it became honing that practice. And each day, this is probably for about seven years, beginning of my day started with 90 minutes of writing and just getting very clear on what we're doing. So executing those basic things day in, day out, got very clear on my coaching strategies, on the key pillars that the brand stood for and went from that point. And so once we had that aspect established, okay, we have the branding, we have the ideas of what it's going to be. Then it became gradually focusing on one medium at a time. So first it was just writing, kind of expanded that into our email marketing, Social media platforms started to take off. Then how could we use those same ideas and kind of parse through there? And so once we start to get those strategies in place, it becomes simpler. Like anything else, you get those reps and it becomes easy. What seems like an incredible task when you're getting started becomes simple 
when you put the programming in, when you put the reps in and you stay consistent, right? And so over time, that's how those skills were built. Now, as the business grew, took on more clients, all these aspects, it became a component for me of, listen, I can do anything, but I can't do everything. And especially over the last couple of years, you know, I mean, you know, I moved, got a three-year-old, soon to be three-year-old, which is crazy. And, you know, as much as I would love to be putting out new content and, and hammering things the same way that I was when I was 25, 26, it wouldn't be fair to my family, right? And so in that case, it was, can I bring on a family or can I bring on a team? Can this team, can I teach them how to do many of these tasks? And so, for example, my first virtual assistant now is my video editor. He now creates all the thumbnails for my YouTube videos. He edits my podcast, gets all of these components in. And it wasn't because, or it wasn't that he had all these skills when we began. It was, he became familiar with the brand. We built trust. And then like anything else, I was educating him. I was teaching him what to do, having him take courses, different components where he could start to build these skills. And together, now we have a seamless team where it can be as simple as, hey, we created this post right here. I want the outline to be made for these different types of medium. And now here we go with the filming and we get everything up and going. So it's a, it's a process that takes a little bit of time. But when you really parse down to building the skills in the beginning and then using every piece of it and then bringing the right people in to start developing their skills, it becomes a seamless content machine that can really power your brand. And I think, I know this from personal experience that I struggle with the idea of hiring someone else because I think a lot of coaches are worried, well, the other people won't care as much. Now, I understand yeah. this whole thing and, and it's okay to pretty much decide, hey, I'm gonna do a lot of these things in my brand on my own. I think one important thing is any time that it's you speaking, it it should be you, right? So like I personally pride myself on responding to, to messages and I don't find it necessarily that difficult, even though there's a volume of them. But for me, touch points with clients, I think that that has to be me, right? So that's my perception of it. Now, there are really smart people who have people who run their media brand, who, but whoever's running the, the social media account is very clear on the fact that it's not like Dr. Trevor Cashy is a very good example of someone who yeah. I don't think even touches his own social media. But when you're interacting with his account, someone's not pretending to be Dr. Trevor Cashy. It's very clear that, hey, it's it's one of his team, right? So I think you got to get clear on that stuff. Something that underlies all this, and we talk about writing and we talk about you pivoting into other realms that I think people are consuming more. So first thought, when you first got on T Nation, there was nowhere near as much social media. So I think T Nation and, and anybody who wrote for it at the time was sort of anointed as being like kings of the industry, simply because it was one of the, the fewer outlets that people were going to for this information. Now it's much easier to build a fairly big brand on social media with just short form video. I I think most of the people who've done that well are building long form to, to funnel people into if they're smart. But you know, yeah. Tenacious is no longer a major gatekeeper for this stuff. I still think it's a big deal. It just it doesn't have the exclusivity that it once did. Okay, that's point one. Point two is everything you described, you talked about scripting. All of these things still require the skill of writing. So if someone were to think, well, I'm not interested in writing, therefore I'm not going to go foster the skill. If you are planning podcasts, if you're planning video, if you are doing any of these, building any of these other resources, the skill of writing, I still think is fundamental to virtually all of it. Thoughts? Totally agree. I really agree because let's, listen, anytime we write, like we're activating the reticular activating system, we are taking thoughts that we are consuming in different areas. And 
God knows we are consuming a shitload of content from all these different areas, right? And so many people feel overwhelmed and like, how can I use this? Writing gives you the chance to synthesize different information that you're taking in, weave in your personal experiences, the things that you see on a day-to-day basis, things that you've personally done. When you can do that, that's when you start to develop your unique voice. That's when you start to develop your way to stand out differently than everybody else. Because ultimately, look, if we're talking about you know body composition, a few basic components that are basically rephrased or repositioned in a million different ways, right? I mean, there's still underlying principles for the most part that drive changes in body composition. If you can be able to explain it and you get that concise clarity from do- doing so through your writing, well, that's how you can stand out as a brand. So ultimately, you know, don't always view writing as a tool of like, hey, I have to create an article and create something long. View it as a way to consolidate the information that you are consuming from so many different areas and way for you to c- create clear patterns, clear ways of communicating to provide the message in a way that's going to help the most people. And if you frame it in that regard, you can apply it to any medium. But the way of actually writing itself and building that skill to clearly communicate is something that is, for now, incredibly uniquely human. Like you can put a prompt into chat GPT and do whatever you want and learn cues for an exercise. But if there's something that you see and you can describe it in a unique way with a story, that's something that can't be imitated at this point, you know? And that's going to ring home for somebody that uh, that something is automated probably can. Yeah. You, you can tell when something's been written by, you know, <laughs> by a bot. Like yeah. Voice. Uh, okay. That is really cool. Something else I was interested in with you, and there's sort of multiple dimensions to this. I think you're also very good at being clear on your messaging and your brand, right? And I think overwhelmingly, you speak to men who seek aesthetic goals, right? I mean, I know that there's deeper underlying stuff, but a lot of your marketing appeals to men who want abs, men who want to be ripped, men who want to get jacked, right? I'm I'm correct. Yeah. And I think I'm noticing a trend. I've been talking about this a little bit on some of the podcast appearances I've been on. And there is a trend where I'm seeing some coaches under what I call the guise of empathy are actually criticizing people for their motives, questioning the motives uh, that they want to get abs, lose weight, and otherwise pursue aesthetic goals. And I know where this trend is coming from. I think it's more ideologically driven. I think we've all seen it a lot. And this is not to say that we shouldn't ask a lot of questions to understand where the stuff's coming from. And we know that sometimes there are deeper underlying things But I draw the line at when we actually are questioning or challenging people in a way that comes off as we're discouraging them from seeking aesthetic goals. I think those goals are every bit as valid because a lot of my media, I talk about the mental health benefits, emotional well-being benefits of resistance. My marketing isn't around fat loss. I tend to talk a lot about building strength. And I've noticed with the clients that self-select me, that they tend to achieve their aesthetic goals if we get them to enjoy the process around being strong, right? So there's that. But I'm also starting to push back a little bit at what I see is this gatekeeping over language, both on the coaching side, but especially on the people who seek fat loss. And as far as I'm concerned, if someone wants to lose body fat, then it's a valid goal. I want to understand what's underneath it. So what are your thoughts on a this trend that we're noticing and and 
your your own personal identity as a coach who markets, you know, that physical transformation? Yeah, I mean, let's go back to the beginning here, right? So like when I first got involved as a coach, a lot of my background was strength conditioning and performance. Like that's originally what I did, you know, like, and that was a huge emphasis for me. And it's pivoted over time um, in part because frankly, you know, having worked with high level athletes, I can't do the justice of some of the very specific refined movement patterns and stuff like that, that they need in the gym through an online delivery, the way that my business is run. Right. So like, I understand that the aspects of performance are definitely crucial and can be a huge underpinning component to having people truly enjoy. Like when you can enjoy the way that your body moves and performs and strength, it's such a beautiful thing because it's such an empowering component. Whereas sometimes with fat loss, with a lot of negative connotations, I got to beat my body down and do all these components that can really lead to some negative downward spirals in terms of mental health. And so like when I, when I think about it is this, if ultimately, if I want to be able to help somebody, I have to meet them where they're at, not stand on my perch and yell from the, you know, just yell just to make noise and correct people, right? If like, if somebody says, I want to get toned, like, listen, yeah, I know we can't change the actual tone of the muscle, right? I mean, oh, we can maybe improve myogenic tone with heavy lifting, but that's a discussion way beyond what they're ready to hear. I know that they want to be able to lose fat so they can reveal more definition inside the muscle, like on the muscle. So like, let's, let's meet them where they're at. And because of this, I, I reflect back. I don't know about you, but... Did you ever do things wrong when you got started in the gym? I know I did. Tons. Right? Tons of shit wrong, right? I read all these magazines with having 14 different exercises for my biceps before I could do a damn chin-up. Did that serve me? No, but you know what it did? Even if it wasn't the right information for me at the right time, it got me interested. It got me moving. It got me going in the right direction. Eventually, it became a passion, became a career. Now, not that everyone's going to you know, read a start a fat loss challenge or or read something and all of a sudden get inspired to do all these different things. We have to understand that if people are even consuming fitness content on the baseline right now and are interested in achieving any goal related to health and fitness and moving, that puts them ahead of about 80% of people, at least in the, you know, at least in the Northern hemisphere over here. Right. And so we got to be able to meet people where they're at and gradually, yes, we can help them achieve their aesthetic goals. We can gradually educate them, highlight what good practices are, how fitness can be a force multiplier and improve every other area of their life, understand the deep-rooted why as to how their life will improve as a result of changing their body composition. And then over time, if that moves to a goal that's more in alignment with maybe the performance style that we like or or the different things that we think are going to be best for their long-term future, that's great. But we're not going to get there as an industry, as a society, by just forcing it down people's throat that their goals are somehow wrong. Nobody likes being told that they're wrong. If you actually want to make an impact, you got to meet people where they're at and gradually shift where they want to go by being helpful, by starting to take them there, by gradually educating them, not by trying to be right. Mm. And I like the example you use a tone. Um, I have a post that I've reused a few times that is virtually identical to that. And my like when I see coaches do this little virtue signal because that's what it is. It's this performative virtue signal because they need content. And they say, oh, tone is not a thing. And there's some people I like who are smart who do this. And my answer is, that's rubbish. Knock this shit off. It's condescending. You know what? We damn damn well know what they mean. And the only acceptable answer when someone looks at us and sits down and says, this is someone who's brand new, probably the first time they met with us. It's actually really intimidating for them to even step in the gym. It was a big step. And then sharing their goal is, hey, I don't want to get too bulky. I want to get toned. The only acceptable answer is, I know exactly what you mean. 
Tell me more. You listen, you dig. The incorrect answer is, well, actually, tone is not a thing, but you, you build muscle, you get this bad, and what have you. Like, 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 coaches literally fuck right off with that shit. And every time I put up that post, yeah. every, the response is almost overwhelmingly positive. People are like, yeah, I used to do that. Stuff like that. If, if we're shifting coaches' attitudes about stuff like that, we're making massive positive uh, progress. But what, what ends up happening is the poor person you lecture, well, first of all, you've destroyed trust. You damaged trust. They're not likely to continue on with you. They're probably going to leave. And maybe they're like, well, all trainers are condescending assholes and they don't ever come back and then they, they never change. Or the next time they get the impulse, they, they come go somewhere else, they walk into a commercial gym and they may or may not end up in front of a qualified person who's, you know, ethical. There are a lot of good no ones. We know that, you know, it's, it's a mixed bag. And maybe that person tells them everything they want to hear, takes their money, but doesn't have our skill or integrity and maybe that person then turns around and doesn't get the outcome that they need. So I think we have a duty of care to to listen and to not condescend people and not, as you said, need to be right. Like these people just need help because a lot of people are walking into gyms. They're tired. They're frustrated. They're unhappy. They want someone to listen to them. And they don't want coaches fighting back and forth over training ideology or complex social ideology they just want someone to listen to them and go here's my problem can you help me instead of someone turning around and going well actually your your motivations i i, I don't think your motivations are valid you shouldn't care about wanting to look good naked that's another like that i'm starting to have a really big problem with and i think yeah. there are coaches who are grifting and i use that word very clearly grifting and building brand and status on that sort of narrative and it's not everybody, but I'm seeing a little bit of it. And I, like you, believe let's meet them where they're at and let's serve those people because there's absolutely nothing wrong with a person who wants to get leaner, who wants to have six-pack abs. Because over time, as you said, there's a pretty good chance that their goals will evolve. You'll understand deeper motives and they may change course. A really good example of this is the person who says, I want to lose 20 pounds. You, me, most coaches know that chances are that number is just some arbitrary number in their head. No and doubt. that probably the way that they'll feel better, look the way they want to look, might in fact actually be down 10 to 15 pounds because they've built a little bit of muscle, the body's transformed. I don't need to tell that per. I mean, I think we could actually, in a very, very empathetic way, you know, ask where that number, why that number matters and sort of prepare them. I think we can do it a soft way to say, you know what? When you get to the place you want to be, the way you want to look and feel, you may actually find that you are down 15 pounds because we built some muscle. We can prepare them for it in an empathetic way, but we exactly. don't tell them that they're wrong and go from there. So I'll let you take that further. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. You know, and frankly, you know, looking back at, at me, should probably when I was writing in my, you know, mid 20s and having a pretty big microphone, I, I'm sure I had a lot of that ego, a lot of things like that going on, you know, definitely saying and making some of those mistakes. And, you know, through experience as a coach, like you, you learn that aspect, right? Like you, you can't just harp on trying to be right all the time to try to have everything go viral based on a comment that you're leaving on a, on a tweet or a carousel post, just because it sounds punchy. I think in many instances, <clears throat> the skill as marketers in the fitness industry has outpaced the emotional growth and empathy 
that is needed to communicate with people to meet them where they're at. You get a lot of people who are taking copywriting courses who can write really punchy headlines, um, who don't have the real world experience to truly understand what's going on with that individual or the tactical empathy to really connect with the person who's in front of them or on the other side of the phone or a Zoom call, whatever it is, right? And so I think there's a huge disconnect in what that is. And so ultimately, you know, if you want to be able to make the biggest impact with people, it comes back to, you know, something that learned in my first internship when I was 19 years old. And it's like, nobody knows, cares how much you know until they know how much you care. You know, and ultimately, if you can't meet people with where they at on their words and understand what they're saying, even if it's not perfect, well, guess what? That door is already shut. And as you mentioned, they become jaded with the fitness industry to somebody who's probably empathetic, who doesn't have your skills, doesn't, have your, doesn't know what it actually takes to help them accomplish what they most likely want to do with their body, with their health long-term. And pretty soon, you know, they don't believe in, in coaching and they're off to the latest challenge and, you know, stuck in that vicious cycle of trying challenge after challenge and workout after workout because they don't have the underlying principles intact because that bridge was burnt right away. So it's really important to take even these baseline fundamental conversations with people who are probably not as familiar with the fitness industry as, you know, most people who are already consistently lifting in the gym and meeting them where they're at. Because if you don't meet them where they're at now, there's no way they're going to evolve to that next stage because you've shut them down. That's big. We we are speaking the same language. I appreciate it. What else are you working on right now? Anything else exciting coming up? Man, I mean, so the big thing is just been uh, getting the podcast and getting the YouTube channel up. So, you know, we're still writing for T Nation. We've got that content going out, um, you know, one or two articles a month over there. Um, podcast, we got one or two episodes a week. YouTube, same thing. So just uh, trying to stay as consistent as we can with all of those components and just getting better. You know, it's easy to get drawn into so many different aspects of what we do. And for us, it's all, it's all about like, how can I refine the process? How can you get a little bit better with my communication? How can you get a little bit better with my coaching skills and tactics. And, and of course, on top of all that, it's, you know, it's pouring into my clients because listen, one of the biggest things I've realized over the last couple of years is when everything else in life changes, your philosophies regarding training and nutrition, they have to be able to evolve with yourself and with the people who are around you. That stress response is so crucial to understand, you know? And so particularly over the last few years, you know, a few major events across the world have, have occurred that have made people more stressed out doesn't seem like it's slowing down in any regard. Um, understanding that component and meeting people where they are at and helping them navigate stress so they can stay consistent with baseline health habits is such a foundational piece that allows all of the other things that we love to coach regarding the training and the nutrition methods work so much more effectively. So I, I think that's a huge component and just a, a gradual process of refining the skill sets that we have there. And um, of course, you know, I've got a, got a little girl now married and um, making sure that life is built around enjoying my family as much as it is running a business. And I think that's one of the reasons why I enjoy this podcast so much because it is geared towards coaches, everybody listening, you know, thank you for always being here. I hope that the evolving philosophy that you experience, I hope that the lessons, the, the conversations with the successful people that I've had on over the years now have helped your personal career trajectory grow to give you, and it's not just tactics, but it's, it's also just the opening your mind to the possibility, breaking outside of the limiting beliefs, little boxes that we get. We start our careers in often. If I spent six years at a commercial gym, you know, training session model, right. Which actually worked very well for me, but it can yeah. be a bit of a limiting box that 
once I got outside of that environment, then all of a sudden podcast and writing and public speaking and all these other sort of opportunities presented themselves. And then now I'm spending more and more time having conversation with my friends who are building and scaling businesses outside of, you know, the limitation of what one person can do, which is challenging the bottlenecks, the friction and the mindset that I have about just, just being me. That doesn't necessarily yeah. that that actually has to be the, the route, but I need to challenge it a little bit. I've been having conversation with Mike Dola recently, who's a good friend who built Stronger You. Brilliant yeah. guy, right? And he did a wonderful job with stuff. So I'm always exposing myself to having my attitudes challenged. And I hope everybody listening, this stuff continues to be valuable because as we get older, I mean, like I'm 45, I don't have kids. I have a fluffy cat. You know, I don't know if kids are <laughs> sure, so that's that's my route. But for a lot of you guys, young families or probably will have young families. And there are a lot of examples of people you mentioned, John Goodman. I think John Russin has done this quite well. There are countless other people in our industry, Brett Bartholomew, who have the young families who have ultimately set boundaries around here's the business, here's how I'm going to make this work, and here's the time that is for my family. And all the things I want to do can't encroach on the time that's for family. So how do I build the systems and bring in the people that allow me to do everything that matters? And getting, I think you something you do really well, you're very clear on your brand, your direction, the way you market things, the things that you do that serve it. I know that I tend to be kind of all over the map. And with this shotgun spray thing, it's turned into a lot of really good results. Yeah. But... I, I really admire people who have great clarity and they're very efficient on where they put their time, their efforts, serving the people that they work with, serving the people that might work with them. So I think there's a lot of good lessons for that. So where can listeners find you, your media, so that we can check out more of what you're doing? Yeah, any major social media platform at Bach Performance. That's a great place to find me. Uh, we've got the Look Great Naked podcast available anywhere where you can listen to podcasts. Uh, in addition, um, over on YouTube at Eric Bach, we've got uh, video versions of the podcast as well as weekly content and going up there. So whatever you find helpful, however you like to consume content, we have it all set up for you. Um, and ultimately, if you need anything directly, I'll give you my personal email, eric at bachperformance.com. Um, that's the most direct way to get in touch with me. Send me a message. More than happy to help you out. I mean, the podcast name alone really speaks to what we were talking about earlier. It's the fact that, again, there are people in the industry who are building sort of their own narrative around pushing back against this sort of stuff. When in fact, you're like, who cares? I'm serving the person that wants my help. I am not placating the gatekeepers and the, and the moral police of the industry who are deeming what <laughs> is or is not an okay way to use language. And I, there are really smart people in the industry. I, I think a really good example is for my friends, Kelsey and Dennis Heenan. They're amazing yes. at the way that they write their email marketing, they're some of the best in the industry at it. They're they're going to talk about this at my event in October, um, October 13th and 14th at Edmonton. So they're going to speak on that. They, they, they're masterful at this and playing with names for challenges and titles for email and programs. And they're willing to use phrases like burn fat, shred, et cetera, like this, that may not meet. It's, again, there are going to be people out there who are like, oh, you're not allowed to say stuff like that. Well, why don't we just meet people where they're at, serve them? And it's not necessarily baiting and switching, but it is attracting people who might be vulnerable to unethical, bad faith actors in our space. Let's get them into our programs 
to teach them valuable skills, to give them a sustainable experience and give them the best chance at the success. And it's not about being dishonest or misleading. It's about understanding the, the language that they'll respond to, to help them the most. So you do that well, guys, go check that out, especially if this the topics here are things you want to get clear on and you want to work on your, your marketing language, your branding language. Eric does this wonderfully. It's why I brought you back on. It's great to connect for everybody listening. Yeah, Eric, fire it away. Yeah, man. So yeah, one thing you really mentioned that stood out to me there is there you do feel friction sometimes when it comes to using some of these terms. I totally get that. That was something I really had to overcome, you know? saying fat loss instead of facet or fatty acid mobilization, whatever the case. And a lot of coaches have this trepidation to be able to, to think about this because they want to write everything in scientific terms, connect with their other coaches. And because there's a lot of partnerships and friendships that happen directly, you know, in the fitness industry. And my biggest advice in that case would be, do not be afraid to say things that you feel are going to communicate with the person you most want to help. If you are ideally creating content because you want to help somebody who describes a problem in a certain way, there's nothing wrong with describing that problem in that way in order to spark up a conversation so you can help them and lead them in the right direction. Because if you can't open that door in the first place, it doesn't matter how good your information is. They're going to go towards somebody else who's going to market it using those words and then send them down an unethical rabbit hole. And so sometimes it takes getting over the fear of potential pushback from another coach, of somebody else you admire. But if you understand who you're trying to help and stay true to that mission and then clearly explain that if you have any friction with somebody else, then you're going to be off on the right path. So ultimately just remember what your purpose is and who you want to be able to help. And those coaches aren't paying your mortgage. Let's think about that for a sec too, right? To oversimplify. All right, everybody go check out what Eric is doing. If you are a longtime listener, obviously you know how I am. I endorse the people I bring on. They're doing great work. Um, and if you're someone who is brand new to me because you are just finding this podcast through Eric's media, you can go back in time in the old podcast, Fitness Devil with Dean Guido. Eric's been a guest on before. And you can actually look through the more recent stuff for some of the great people in the industry, like Kelsey and Dennis Heenan, who are doing incredible work. You'll probably find a lot of people that you really like. And guys, thank you again. I will be back with another great guest next week.